Did you know that it's possible to raise your littles to want to listen to you without the use of consequences, rewards, and bribes? Hi, I'm Kaylee Zire, and this is the Chaos to Connected podcast, where we discuss simple yet effective parenting strategies to manage those pesky behaviors we go to bed at night hoping will be gone tomorrow. We're going to stand up to societal norms of disconnection, shaming, and punishments so we can take a deeper look into our child's heart. It's there you'll find connection, and there where you'll find more peace, obedience, respect, and joy. So what are you waiting for? We know those behaviors aren't going to go away on their own. Let's dive in. Welcome back. I'm so glad to have you here today. I have been having lots of conversations over in my messages on Instagram, and the common theme is that parenting through behaviors is hard, and it's especially challenging trying to figure out what to do all while keeping your cool. Now, I'm going to give you five tips on how to do this, but just know that it will be a constant work in progress. I have been working on this for probably a good solid year and a half, and I have come a long way, but there's always more room for sanctification. The first tip is to figure out what your triggers are and where they come from. So when something happens that bothers us or hurts our feelings, the hurt goes in and gets stuck if we haven't had a chance to release it. It's likely that you have been professionally building things up since grade school or probably even earlier than that. Even if you work really hard to be a parent who encourages feelings and supportively listens through them, it's inevitable that kids and us as adults, will try to stop the feelings from coming. It is what society teaches, and it's everywhere. When those feelings get stuck, it is like a constant tape in our minds of everything that happened. Everything knots that tape together, and then our brain sends out triggers. When our children engage in certain behaviors, those triggers kick our feelings from the past into play, and we can't think anymore. This is going to be different for everyone. For some, whining may be a trigger, For me, aggressive behavior is a trigger. It could also be certain situations, ages, words that our kids say that cause us to be triggered. Reactive behavior pops out that we didn't plan or want to do. This is because those behaviors can trigger memories that we aren't even consciously aware of. Sometimes it's easy to pinpoint why these behaviors cause our reactions. Perhaps it was how you were parented or a reaction that repeatedly happened with you in another environment. Maybe something that was modeled frequently at school or daycare, whether with you directly or just by indirectly observing it happen to someone else. If you aren't able to figure out why this behavior is a trigger for you, watch what your reaction is or your behavior, like what you say or what you do, and this is a pretty good picture of what likely happened to you. If you need more help identifying your triggers, I have a three-part email series that has some basic info and then a few quick exercises to complete to help further this process and go deeper. I'd encourage you to sign up for that. Okay, tip number two, prayer. I think this is a very highly underutilized strategy. It's easy to pray when we have it in a routine, before meals, before bed, but it's much harder to train ourselves to pray in the moments when we need it the most. It's so much easier to want to complain about it or to turn to social media and shout it out for a while, but have you prayed about it yet? 
you have all of the strategies or you can have all the strategies for behaviors, but if you don't have the connection of prayer and adjusting your heart posture in the moments when you need the most gentleness, patience, self-control, the behavioral strategies alone won't get you there. So pray for yourself. Ask for wisdom, for a gentle spirit, for guidance on how to discipline and train your child. Pray for eyes to see your child and where their heart is at. Pray for your child. Ask for their hearts and minds to be open. Pray for the specific areas of behavior that are challenging. That is a big one. Prayer doesn't always have to be neatly tied up in a bow. So often it is literally me crying out in the middle of the meltdown asking for help. And if I'm completely honest, a lot of times it's more of an angry, like, why aren't you helping me type prayer? And that's okay. God can handle it. He knows anyway, so you might as well just be honest about it. Tip number three, it's all about the perspective shift. I find it much easier to control my reactions when I'm actually able to understand and remember what is happening in my child's brain during these challenging behaviors. When we were really struggling and the meltdowns were almost constant, and when I say that, I literally mean it, and I felt the highest amount of overwhelm, I was, you know, I just tried to remind myself in the moment to think about how I am feeling. Like, how is my body wanting to react? How is my body reacting? How is my mind feeling? What do I feel like doing right now? And I would remind myself that this is exactly the same thing my child is going through, except he doesn't have the ability right now to be thinking it through and he doesn't have the words to describe it or explain it to me. He needs my help. And just for an additional perspective shift, sometimes in those moments, I would have the control to pause and think all these thoughts and remember what I quote unquote should do in the moment, but my fleshly desire wanted to do the thing that I wanted to do. I wanted obedience or I wanted a certain outcome and I wanted it right now. And I was like almost watching myself (laughs) engage in this situation and the battle of what I know will be helpful and understanding what he's going through is exactly what I'm feeling. When we expect our children to have self-control, then we should make sure that we are working on that and having that ability ourselves. So if you need to, pick a short saying and repeat it over and over to yourself when you need it. I would often use the he's overwhelmed statement and wow did it help so in those moments i would just remind myself he's overwhelmed he is overwhelmed he is overwhelmed and it pulled me out of my want to just get him to listen and it allowed me to take a step back and see the pain and the hurt that he was trying to work through and that he wasn't necessarily able to put into words for me The fourth tip when trying to manage your triggers is to find a listening partnership. I've had several conversations with parents who want their child to learn about emotions and that everybody has them and understand that parents have feelings too, which is understandable. 
but then they will purposely set out to show those emotions to their child. The problem with this is that our children can't handle listening to these feelings or the anger. They often don't have the capacity to truly understand it, and it can lead to a lot of feelings of blame and shame on their part, even if we're trying to be intentional about how we're saying things or doing things. Sometimes if we aren't clear, kids can take that on. Now, this doesn't mean if there's something really hard going on and you cry in front of your child that they're ruined, but it just means that when we have strong feelings, our children are not the people that we should be intentionally sharing them with or sharing with in the moment. Now, sometimes, again, that's going to be challenging, but there's another instance where we need to practice self-control. This could also involve comments like, you know, that really hurt mommy, or I'm really upset with you or disappointed in you. These translate into impacting our child's identity versus what we're thinking we're doing is teaching them about the behavior. How they're internalizing it is their identity. And if we're being honest and really think about it, the same is true for us as adults. If someone says they're disappointed in you, think about the difference in how that feels versus if they say, I'm disappointed in that choice that you made. Huge, not a big shift in words, but a huge shift in how it makes us feel and how we internalize that. So when I do have these moments, or even in the moments where I lose self-control, that is when I take the time to apologize. Sometimes in this style of parenting, you'll hear people say you shouldn't apologize because it puts too much on the child to have to actually forgive you in that moment. And I want to disagree with that. If we don't model what apologizing looks like, how will our kids learn to do it? If you tell them they need to apologize, but they have never witnessed you do it, why would they actually believe that they have to? (laughs) When I apologize, I explain that I'm working on my own self-control and sometimes I still mess up and I'm still working on it. And I think that's a beautiful picture of helping our children also to understand that we don't expect perfectionist actions. We don't expect them to be perfect and we can't be. So I'll make sure to say that my reaction, my yelling or whatever it was, was not my child's fault. I'm sorry. It's not your fault. Okay, so maybe you're like, okay, I get it. Don't let let it out on your kids. But what exactly is a listening partnership? So a listening partnership is exactly as it sounds. It's a partnership between you and another mom or dad, if you're a dad. You designate a certain day and time and amount of time that you're going to talk. So if you have a really flexible schedule, You could also set up like an emergency call if needed. Like when you're really ready to lose it, you can take five and call your listening partner. So when you make the call, you each will have whatever amount of time you agreed on and start talking. So if you agreed upon 20 minutes each, you each talk for 20 minutes straight. You can create prompts to help you get started or simply just start talking. The other person actively listens to what you're saying without trying to correct or solve the problem. That is key. Having someone who is just supportively listening 
allows your brain the time and space to work through things and recognizes that it can do that. And let me tell you, it is truly amazing the clarity and the awareness it brings when you do it consistently. There were many times where I showed up to the call and literally thought, I don't even know what to talk about. I just started and it's funny how you can just keep on going. Like at the beginning, you think 10 minutes, what can I possibly say for 10 minutes? And then it's been 10 minutes and you are (laughs) knee deep in this big, long story. Your brain truly knows what you need to work on and it will give the opportunity or it will do it given the opportunity. Slowly but surely, these emotions have a place to go and we get a better grip on acting the way we'd like to act and bringing the emotions to the listening partner versus letting them explode all over our kids for something that they didn't necessarily have a full hand in. All right, and finally, tip number five, deep breathing. It has been found that six deep breaths can calm your entire body. I'm not going to get into all of the details, but you should definitely check into vagus nerve if you have never heard of it before. It runs from your brain all the way to your stomach, and it hits all the major organs and body functions. One of those functions is our lungs or breathing. Breathing is the only automatic process that we have that we can also actually control. Utilizing it strengthens our overall vagal tone, which in turn helps us to decrease the frequency and the intensity of that fight or flight response when we're feeling really stressed and overwhelmed and triggered. There have been many a times when I have felt completely overwhelmed having both of my children screaming and melting down at the same time. I would literally stand in the middle of it all, look up because I couldn't look down, that's where all the chaos was happening, close my eyes and take deep breaths. If you want to amp it up a notch, add some calming essential oils to the routine. I keep my all-time favorite calming oil in our junk drawer, which is pretty much the center of our main floor and where we spend a majority of our time. So many times I would run to the drawer and just take the top off and smell it while I'm taking the deep breaths. This can also create an association of the calming response for future needs. So think of it this way. Have you ever walked into a room and the smell reminded you of someone or somewhere? This is exactly what you can train your olfactory system to do. If you're consistently using the same oil with a calming practice, eventually you can grab the oil and it will more quickly trigger that calming response. Amazing, right? I'll put my favorites in the show notes in case you're interested. So quick review, the five things you need to do to start learning how to keep your cool through the tantrums is to one, figure out your triggers and where they come from. Two, pray. Number three, although maybe pray should be one, but (laughs) number three, train your brain to shift perspectives. Number four, get a listening partner. Number five, deep breathing, and then pair that with an oil if that's something you use or are interested in. So I hope this episode blessed you and I would love it if you found it helpful to share with another mama in need. Don't forget to check the show notes to get the free three-day trigger trouble email series to help you get a better understanding of what your triggers are and where they come from. This is key if you want to start really working on them. You have to bring awareness to them. If you're in a place where you feel like you want some more specific help, 
I would love for you to sign up for my six-week program. Inside it, we are going to deep dive into what your child actually needs when they're demonstrating difficult behaviors, which is connection. We will deep dive into five strategies that never change and are applicable to all ages and stages. So I'll put a link for that in the show notes as well. And there's also an opportunity for a free 15-minute consult if you want more information or to just ask a few questions to see if it feels like a good fit for you. This week, I want you to pay attention to what behaviors are challenging you and reflect, maybe even journal about them if that's something you like to do. But bring more awareness to those situations and try to start noticing them more when they come up. Have a great week. Real quick, before you go, if you felt encouraged and inspired by listening to this show, I'd love for you to leave a rating or review over at Apple Podcasts so we can spread the word to help other mamas feel less alone and find beauty in the behaviors. You can also take a screenshot of this episode, share it over on your Instagram stories, and tag me, at Kaylee Josiah, and we'll all do a little happy dance together. I love nothing more than to cheer you on along this journey. This work is so hard, but don't forget, God has not only called you to it, but he has equipped you for it. Now go get connected. I'll see you next week.